Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me on this week's episode of Talking Pit. Today, I have an absolute honor to have Josh Epstein coming on the podcast. He is not only an amazing coach, he's a, a good friend, a mentor. He's someone that I've looked up to since my first random site visit I did down at JMU, and you took me out on the field with your, might have been lacrosse or field hockey team, and you were doing, I think, was it your runs you were doing? What were you doing with them? You even remember? Yeah, probably some some kind of MAS running. I, all I know is that my conditioning knowledge was almost minimum, and I was like, I have no idea what's going on. So thank you from day one of meeting me, starting to question everything. But Josh, happy to have you on the show, man. How's everything going? Yeah, it's going good. Uh, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to, to catch up and uh, dive into a few things with you. Yeah, we've known – God, how long have we known each other now? I, I was thinking about, I think, what, because you also interned at, at JMU? Yeah, uh, I came down for a site visit as a GA. I think that was like 2016. And then yeah. that summer or summer after, I yeah, turned with you guys. Either 20, yeah, 17 or 18, something like that. Mm -hmm. been, been definitely a few years. So it's been nice to continue the, you know, friendship from coaching standpoint as well, like having you as a colleague and mm -hmm. Stuff like that but also just like being able to maintain that relationship outside of work is is you know a cool thing to have no absolutely especially when i would go visit my wife at the time of jamie it was nice to have you and a couple other guys that became friends with and wasn't just always stuck in the house hanging out with her could actually go talk to some other people yeah but for no, the no. people who don't know you haven't heard of you you mind giving a little bit of background <laughs> where you've been what you're currently doing maybe how you got into the profession if you want to yeah so you know my name is josh epstein um, I'm currently a strength and conditioning coach for the U S air force. Um, I'll, I'll start from the beginning in terms of like how I got into it and where I went, um, you know, for the longest time, I had no idea that strength and conditioning was even a thing at all. Uh, found it my senior year of college. I was at the university of West Florida. Someone told me about you know, the, this coach Morgan and that he was in charge of strength and conditioning for UWF athletics. And I was like, I like working out. That sounds like a cool thing to do. So walked into his office. I, I, I'm pretty sure back then I had much longer hair. My beard was still pretty long, but I had like a tank top and board shorts on and, and flip-flops, you know, classic Florida boy walked in and I was like, Hey, can I intern for you? And Pretty sure he was like, is this kid lost? Uh, but fortunately, we, we got through that. Um, he let me work with him and his staff, which was amazing. So I was an intern there my senior year of uh, college. Didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do. Um, I kind of thought I wanted to do strength and conditioning, but I also was kind of thinking about doing teaching. I knew I didn't have enough experience at the time to get a GA position anywhere. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll try teaching. Um, so I joined a program that's it's called city year. It's uh, similar to like teach for America did that and quickly realized that I did not want to be a teacher and that I did want to be a strength coach. Um, so shortly after that, I started applying to like every internship I could, uh, was fortunate enough to land in an internship at a TCU where, uh, Zach Dakin was kind of overseeing the internship program which was an amazing experience. He by far is one of the smartest individuals that I've ever been around. Um, and so from there, that kind of led me to 
meeting uh, Coach Kathy Wagner at UTA, um, where I was able to land a GA spot. Um, so I was a GA there. And in between our first and second years uh, in grad school, uh, my brother was working at James Madison University um, in the athletics uh, department. He was doing fundraising. And so I was, you know, our, our stipend only went 10 months. So I was like, I can either go back home and just relax for the summer or, you know, go up there and live with him for the summer um, and intern at JMU. Um, so I decided to go to JMU, which was a life-changing experience where um, I got to work with uh, Big John, John Williams. Um, and so went back, was finishing my second year of grad school as a GA at UTA. Um, and then in that spring, JMU had a position come available. I applied. I was fortunate enough to uh, get it. Um, and so that kind of started my full-time career in strength and conditioning. Was there for a little while, went from uh, JMU to uh, Penn State, um, and then from Penn State, uh, back down to the motherland, to uh, Florida, with, where I'm currently at. Um, so I'm at Herbert Field in uh, uh, Fort Walton Beach, Florida now. So It's awesome to hear it kind of coming full circle, being that Florida boy, getting that internship, kind of traveling over, especially being in the Valley in Virginia, like completely different. No beach, no nothing. If you don't like hiking and good food, there ain't much going on around there, but that's awesome to have you back home. Yeah. So you've been you've been in so many different colleges. You've worked under so many people. We both have worked under Coach Williams. We've both been at JMU for different reasons and all that. Explain to me and our listeners kind of that transition period or what like the biggest difference is between the college sector and then now going in and being in the tactical sector. Yeah. Um you can kind of look at, I mean, some people would, would say that there's a huge difference, right? Like you go from work from working with division one athletes, the goal is to win championships. And now you're working in a, a vastly with a vastly different population. Um, and, and there is no championship season. There's no preseason. Um, you know, I, in my current position, I work with um, our civil engineering squadron, which is, encompasses many, many different, um, positions. I mean, you're talking computer nerds for, for lack of better terms, um, but also plumbers, HVAC technicians, um, as well as our, uh, fire department and our, uh, EOD guys all fall under CE. So it's so, there's so many different jobs that fall under that. And then at the same time, you know, in the college setting, yeah, you know, at least when I was there, it was like, okay, we have this 18 year old kid. And then this 23, potentially this 23 year old grown person. Now it's like, oh, we have this 23 year old kid in this like 45 year old grown person. Um, so it's just so different. But with all that being said, like training is still training right? Like there's only so many movement patterns out there. Um, and I think as strength and conditioning coaches, we like to complicate it a, a lot more than it needs to be. Um, but the end goal is still the same is to keep the airmen or the athletes healthy and maintain a high state of readiness. Um, 
and I think, you, you know, so it boils down to that is, is are our athletes ready or in my current position, are our airmen ready for whatever the task is, um, whether that's a deployment or, you know, a championship game. For be, having them get ready, or is there times where things are more optional? Like in college, for the most part, like from the time they're on campus, there's usually a set time, off-season three to four days a week, in-season two to three, depending on what you have. For you, is it pretty consistent? Is it dependent on, again, I'm sure if they're on deployment, they're gone. They're obviously not seeing you. But even when they're there, is it hit or miss? Is it more consistent? Like how how does that go? That is... The complicated part. So, so going back to the first question is, is some might say that, you know, working in college athletics is more complex than the role that I'm currently at um, or in. And, and that is true to a certain extent. There is a certain complexity with solving that puzzle of building a championship team. That's extremely hard. And there's so many different things going on, especially as, as the student athletes are balancing school uh, potentially work outside of athletics, being a, a full-time athlete, also being a normal kid, like still wanting to be a college kid and get that experience and, and have those same relationships. Um, but at the end of the day, it's kind of a little bit easier because like you, like you just alluded to, like we know in, you know, maybe besides the summer for some sports, they're going off but with the expectation to train. And if they're at, uh, you know, playing at that level, they are most likely going to train in some form or fashion. And then we get them maybe, you know, fall as a preseason and, and or our off season. And, you know, we get them three or four times a week. And then we know in season, we're going to get them two or three times a week. So it is consistent. We know when they're going to be here. We know, you know, when the games are, we can even know when major tests are like, we know so much information, whereas in the role I'm currently at, you know, on the flip side, it's easier in some ways, but it could be more complex in other ways like scheduling, right? Like we, there are expectations for training, but it's not necessarily mandatory. I am fortunate enough to be in a position where we do mandate training um, and how that kind of is structured is at a, at a bare minimum. And this is just, base wide is the airmen are expected to perform physical training three times a week at a minimum. Um, how our squadron runs it is, is we have a squadron wide PT, which um, you can just think if you just think about what military training looks like, that's what it kind of looks like. Calisthenics running. Um, I do run that session. So there's a little bit more thought behind what we're doing, um, but it's your classic, you know, we're dealing with, anywhere between 150 to 200 people at one time. So you can only do so much with that. Um, and then, like I said, we have multiple different jobs within that squadron and we call them flights. So on another day, anywhere between three and four flights will come see me. So Tuesday might be HVAC, plumbers, um, fire, and like, what we would call customer service. So those flights would come see me on Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, it's another group of flights. Thursday, um, it's another group of flights and so on and so forth. And then the third day, they're expected to follow the plan that I've outlined, but at 
their individual shop level. So they don't do it with me. They're doing it on their own. When, you know, some of the shops have their own equipment. They might be going to our base gym, um, but they're supposed to be following what I've done as much as they can. Now, does that get done? You know, I don't know. But um, so, so that's more of the complexity of it is like, how do we build out these programs to maintain this readiness when you have situations like that? And we're also dealing with, um, you know, another problem is they're in the military, right? They're told what to do all the time. You're told what shoes to wear, how shiny those shoes need to be, you know, how crisp your shirt needs to be, when you need to wake up, you know, everything. They're told what to do, right? And, and it's expected when you sign up. But now it's how do we balance like not taking away that freedom that uh, training and working out is to a lot of people. Um, but at the same time, giving them better structured training to keep them ready. Um, so a lot of it is on the back end, a lot more education in what I do in this role. And of course, as collegiate strength and conditioning coaches, we are always educating the athletes. Um, but in this environment, I, I personally feel like I'm doing a lot more education, whether that's uh, consults with people, giving briefs to the squadron about physical fitness, um, but even as simple as them showing up to the training sessions and just giving them ideas of how they can structure their own training when they're not with me. Like, oh, I don't have to do 20 chest exercises, all 10 by 10 and be dying all the time. Like I can, this is maybe a better way to structure it. Oh, this is a better way to do, you know, whole body athletic uh, workouts, um, as well as your other stuff. You know, at the end of the day, most of these people want to get juicy and, and, and look good, um, on the beaches. And so figuring out that balance, um, it is definitely a little bit more complex than I would say on, on the collegiate side, if that makes sense. No, it does. So they're with you. You said two times mandatory and that third day is optional based on what you've prescribed. We'll say for them, right? How many yeah. of those guys are maybe lifting like even six times a day? Like, do they have access to like their base training or where you're at seven days a week? Is it more so like, no, if it's not your scheduled time, you can't be in here. Is is there more freedom? Yeah. So it it, it is different per every squadron is different. Mm -hmm. um, my squadron, we are fortunate enough to have a a very good setup. We we have a uh, pretty much a, a squadron training facility. Um, which is open to them all the time. So they can utilize that. Our base also has three other gyms. Um, I, I believe, I know one is 24 seven access. Um, I think one other one might be, and then one is just like normal duty hours. Um, so they have access to training and there is a decent amount that do enjoy training and, and they'll, you know, they go five days a week, six days a week, um, whatever that looks like for them. Um, and also like, for example, I work with our <clears throat> EOD guys. So it's, you know, if you've ever seen the movie Hurt Locker, that's, that's them, the, the bomb guys, essentially, um, their standards of training are different than let's say our plumbers, um, 
just because of what their job entails, it is written into um, their the EOD policy that they are expected to train five days a week. Um, so they actually don't come see me. I go to them um, and they are on a different plan. So it'd be kind of like, oh, you know, tennis does one thing, soccer is doing mm-hmm. another thing. We have the majority of the squadron on doing one thing. And then we have like our fire, de- fire department and EOD guys doing separate things because the demands of those jobs are a little bit different. Um, they also have a little bit more ability to potentially get attached to um, higher, higher units like tier one operators and, and things like that. They could be attached to those units. So they need to be um, ready to go and, and my job is to make sure that they aren't a weak link when that does happen. Um, you, you know, and they also have a different, or they're, they're looking to potentially move to a different, uh, you know, air force physical standard test for, for those groups. Um, the air force has their own PT test. Um, and then some other groups within the air force have a, have a different, physical tests that they need to prepare for. So having all these different flights and these different jobs, different operators that you work with, how like compared to college where like you might break up your team, like I know you had lacrosse at James Madison. So maybe it's freshman upperclassmen, maybe it's freshman defense offense. You might have say, I'll just say four programs. Correct me if I'm wrong on how many you had going on at time, depending on how specialized you wanted to go through where you're currently at now. How much is it of just these guys? Like you said, they're, they're plumbers, they're, computer programmers there nothing i'm not gonna say nothing crazy because that's not what i'm trying to say but like you know what i'm saying they're yeah. doing normal jobs versus some people like the bomb squad but clearly might be doing more how general specific how how many different programs like how do you really boil that down to where you're not writing say a thousand individual programs because that's just unfeasible but still giving them what they need and meeting them where they're at in their own physical preparation yeah so uh, I am only writing three different programs. So I have our civil engineering squadron wide program that when they come see me, these other workouts they're they're going to be doing. And again, realistically, I'm only like, we have our squadron PT, but that's not a true training session. Right. Um, so I'm only seeing them really once a week. Uh, so every week it is rotating the workout. So it's like ABC. And so just, a are these days, B is this this day, and then the next week we start with C, and then we go A, and so forth. So it's kind of a rolling or fluid periodization, however you want to however you want to look at it. Um, EOD is doing something completely different. Um, they have honestly more of a true annual plan um, for them, just so that I can keep track of their volume, just because their training day to day looks so different. And so making sure that they're just not getting hurt from training or being burned out. And again, they also, they have a lot of specialty courses that they'll go away to do, um, which are pretty physically taxing. So making sure that, you know, Hey, I'm, I just got into this course. I gotta be ready in four weeks, making sure that they're staying, staying ready uh, for those things. And then, Fire is similar to where they're also on uh, a different program. Um, with EOD, it's 
you know, there is no necessarily like end goal, but it's your traditional phases, right? Like, you know, this phase will be our focus is building muscle mass, um, you know, hypertrophy phase, if you want to look at it and then strength phase and then power phase, and then maybe like a deload and then restart the cycle over. And then I'll meet if an individual is being like, Hey, in four, six, eight weeks, I need to be ready for X course. Then I will individually adjust their plan. Um, depending on what the standards of that course might be. Um, if it's going to be, you know, in the mountains with a ton of rocking, then we want to make sure that we're throwing things in that are going to prepare them for that. If it's something that has to do, Hey, I know when I get here, like one of the standards is doing uh, a million pull-ups. All right, well then I'm going to prepare you to do a million pull-ups, right? Like preparing them for what they need to do so that when they get there, um, they know that they can handle the demands of that course and just focus on the, the skill set needed to excel in the course, which is, you know, beyond the physical demands, right? For those courses, are they individual to the person or will like the group know like, all right, November 14th, we're gone for three days for this course as a group, or is it all really individualized depending on where they are? Uh, so some courses are only like, you can only go to the courses depending on what rank you're at. Um, but they know, they definitely know. It'll be like, hey, in November, we're going to send uh, four guys to X course. Uh, it's, a, it's a mountain course. And this is like what they're going to have to do. Uh, or, hey, we're going to send, these guys are going to take this course and they're going to be training with the Marines doing X, Y, and Z. Um, so we know, which, which is a big help. Um, in that regard, how far advanced do you know of those courses? Uh, it, it, it could be like six weeks. It could also be, Hey, in 12, 18 re- weeks, you, Usually, you have time to build that into their program. It's not like, Hey, next week. And you're in the middle of yeah. a hypergy phase and you're like, mm, this is not going to boat well if they need to be rucking X amount of miles. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So usually what I tell them is at least like if, if they know the farther in advance, the better, you know, I don't need to know that they're taking a course necessarily in a year because none of them need to be get that specialized where it's like a year long training. But like, I'm like, you know, within <clears throat> between 12 and 16 weeks out, let me know. And we will build you in like, I'll, I'll, I'll individualize your training plan so that when you're going there, you're going there fresh for one and, and not being not just finding some excuse me random workout online that says it's going to make you into a monster and then by you know week 14 you're like i can barely walk and at week 16 you're gonna have to go ruck 50 miles with 80 pounds on your back um so making sure that we are strategically building them up and <clears throat> giving them what they need to stay healthy and functional in their job. Gotcha. Trying to tie this back. So you've had all this time in the college sector. You've had, you knew where championships were, you knew where national championships were, which I'm going to toot your own horn. If no one knows, Coach Epstein has won a national championship. So he's been through the rigmarole of knowing how to make a full annual plan and being in tip top physical preparation for that date. Is there what you're doing now? Do you think if you could go back to the college sector, dealing with different teams, dealing with more individualization, would you think you'd be better off 
in the college sector being able to not handle one team or two teams and be a little more specific? Or do you think the way you came through through college through tactical gave you a more, is there one that would be more of advantage disadvantage if you went back to college in this and from this environment, would you be better prepared? Like not better prepared. That's not the word I'm saying, but um, I guess having a lot more and different things pop up for individuals. Do you think it would help you? Or do you think the way you came of just basic periodization groups, maybe one or two different programs has just made you better in where you are now in the tactical sector? Hopefully I didn't confuse that too much. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a good question. Um, yeah, I don't think one is better than the other. I think as coaches, I think the more people and groups and teams you get to work with, I think that's where we become better coaches. The the more people we can have, you know, quote unquote, hands on, the the better we are and the more um, fine tuned our skills become. Um, I think there's tons of things that I've learned in this current role that would definitely make me a better collegiate strength coach in, in dealing with the issues that come up on the collegiate side. Uh, I think there's things I dealt with on the collegiate side that have set me up well for this position. Um, I think a big learning thing from in my current position is Again, it, I, th I think we make it too complicated. And, and I'm not saying strength and conditioning is not complicated. The human body is extremely complicated. Um, and what we, you know, what we know now versus even what we know we knew five, 10 years ago is vastly different. Um, but I think sometimes we do things too much just to do them and we take away from the end state. And, and I think that's one of the biggest things I've learned here is the mission is the most important. Um, and I think we can lose that as strength coaches, as far as like, no training is the most important. It's not right. Like if you have to miss a lift and you don't hit your 70% uh, triples on back squat that one week, your whole plan is not messed up. You're at no one's like the human body is resilient and you can just keep on chugging along or you just kind of replan and throw that back in somewhere. So if it's super important that you get that in, then you can still fit that into your plan. Um, it, it's the same as like, uh, I'm, uh, first I'm going to say this is nutrition is super important. Like for, you know, the people I currently work with, the general population, extremely important for college athletes. But like how many times did we see, uh, you know, practices over and it's somebody rushing in with chocolate milk and protein. It's like, you have to get your protein shaken right now. We have to start. And it's like, whoa, like let them just process what happened first. And if they don't get it the one time, like I promise you, they're not going to die. Their gains aren't going to go away. They're not going to not recover. Like it's okay. Now, the more important thing is how do we instill these uh, holistic principles into the athletes or the airmen of like, I know nutrition is important. Okay, man, I, I'm pushed for time. I don't have time to, to grab a shake right after I work out. But I know when I get home, I need to eat something. Like I can't just, oh, practice is done. I didn't get my shake. I'm just going to... Um, go home, shower, and it's thirsty Thursday, throw on clothes and go out, right? Like 
if it's instilled in them and, and they know why it's important, they will make time to make sure they get it in at some point. And it's not always going to be ideal and it's okay because the real world is not ideal. Kind of leads into something I um, wanted to ask you. So looking at that, right, is there anything you guys are using, whether that be questionnaires, force plates mm -hmm. that you can look at just holistically, like, hey, jump heights, anything like that, and then be able to allow you to ask better questions like, hey, your jump height over the last, like, whether week, bi-weekly, however you're doing is going down. Oh, yeah, well, I haven't been sleeping well. Is, a lot, is there anything you guys are using like that? Using you, oh, God, words are hard. Utilizing to that way, then you can ask the questions and then probe to then maybe be like, oh, well, your performance is going down. You say you're not sleeping, and then it allows for that organic conversation to kind of go into like why sleep's important or why you should be fueling post workout. Mm -hmm. um, so we have questionnaires that we can send out to them. Um, typically, it's used more so in like a newcomer briefing of just like what the general traits are of the airmen um i believe it's quarterly the airmen are also expected to to fill out this questionnaire for the for the squadron where it's just like mental like how much do you work out how much do you sleep do you know do you how much do you drink how do you smoke yes or no things like that um monitoring on a training from a training perspective we aren't really some some people are there are definitely people in the tactical setting that are monitoring a lot with certain groups of individuals um <clears throat> you know for me personally we don't have access to daily monitoring or, or anything like that we we do track so the air force tracks um body fat percentage and grip strength so you have to do that um at least annually in and that kind of falls into their physical fitness test. So just seeing the relationship, you know, to the, you know, lean muscle mass and hopefully total body strength from a grip strength perspective. And then are, you know, in theory, people with a good lean muscle mass and a high grip strength score would be passing PT tests. Um, and then vice versa, right. People with on that have, uh, an unhealthy body fat percentage and a low grip strength probably aren't doing super well on their PT tests. And so they've just started looking at those things. So they're looking at it. They're, they're trying to build out like a holistic approach to looking at the airmen. Um, and then we're also trying to figure out ways, like how do we connect those things to how many people are on profiles, which is just like an injury report, so to speak. Um, and then looking like connecting the dots. Oh, this person is on this profile and they've been on it for this long. They also have an unhealthy body fat. They need to go see a nutritionist. They need to go work more with the strength coach. Um, but it's not like the college setting by any means. Um, I think we could get, or I think I could get to doing more of that with certain individuals. Um, but right now it's just kind of, it'd be a really hard ask with the time I'm given um so we're, we're not there yet but hopefully one day do you kind of just do more like eyeball tests and your guys come in and just so you can tell some of the guys hopefully if you know them like all right so and so's not looking great hey how you feeling i'm super tired and just kind of then alter your training or what they're doing just based off of 
call it physical appearance and just kind of them saying like, Hey, I had such and such last night, or I had a, I'm sure they have projects they're doing work and all that. Like that sometimes sleep isn't always the best. Yeah. I mean, for the general group that I'm working with, like they, it, it is completely auto-regulated. If they want to push it that day, then they get to push it. If they're not feeling it, they don't. Like there is no prescribed percentages or weights for anything with, <clears throat> you know, take for instance, the, the UV guys, they do, uh, I've worked closely enough with them that they are on a program that does have, you know, your traditional percentages and things like that. Um, and yeah, that's way more of an organic conversation. Um, and usually it's, you know, pulling those guys back. Like they want to train, they are used to muscling through things and just like, Hey, head down, go to work. So it's kind of like, Hey, it's okay. Like you're not feeling it. I get that this thing says you need to be at 85%, but like back it off, live the fight another day. I promise you, you're going to be fine. Um, and they are. And so, and they're starting to connect the dots of like, okay, like I don't have to redline it every single day to get better. Was that something that was not a fight, but is that something you really had to educate them on and just build that relationship and that trust with them? Or was it kind of, since they are used to being told this and that, where it was like, hey, we're backing off today, was it immediately like, cool, backing off today? Uh, it was definitely relationship related, you know? And the other thing is like, I felt like something that was a strong suit of mine was building relationships with the, the athletes I worked with. Um, you know, if you really just treat them as human beings first, then as athletes second, I found that they're much more willing to listen to you. Um, but within the military, what I found was not found was really interesting, but you learn really quick is they see through the bullshit. Uh, you know, sorry for the French, but like they have a good read on people. Um, and they understand or know very quickly, like, is this dude a good dude or is this dude fake? Um, so it's coming in and being transparent, right? If they ask a question, I don't know. It's, hey, I, I don't know. I, I'll try to find out. And if I do, I will let you know. And if I don't, I'll also let you know that I couldn't find the answer. Um, and so just being transparent and honest with them and then having organic conversations. I mean, it didn't take very long for them to realize that. Well, I mean, I don't think I'm that great, but they think I'm pretty good. So like, okay, this guy, at least th this guy knows more than I do. So I'll listen to him. Um, and they've seen the progress. Um, and just like, yeah, for, for the first little while, it was all about getting myself in, involved in what they were doing. Like, oh, you're going out to the field to do this. Can I come? Like, can I watch? Can I help? Can I do that? And so they, they realize like, oh, this person just wants to help me. So if he's telling me to do this, then he's not trying to hold me back. He's, he's just trying to help me. Um, but yeah, it's just being real with them and creating a good relationship and approaching it from the, the standpoint of honestly, of like, you're a grown person. Like I'm, you know, you didn't sign an oath to me. So I don't, I can't tell you what to do. I'm, I'll advise you this or give you advice on this. And if you, you can take it or leave it. Um, 
so, and usually they they take the advice and they're like, okay. And then sometimes they don't. They're like, ah, I should have listened. I was like, yeah, I know. Next time. No, it, it's I'm over here laughing as I'm on mute, but it's it's funny because it's the same thing as college, man. Like you come into the weight room, but like you show up to practice, like you you talk to him like a normal person. You say what's up to him in between sets. Like I I remember from JMU one thing I was down with the specialist and you were kind of down at the rack and you would just, you would talk to them. You'd ask them how their day was in between sets and all that. Like you from day one, I've met you. you you've always come off as a person who truly cares about not even the athlete as the person you care about them as that person. Right. And you want the best for them across the board. I think it was a uh, 20 year lacrosse girls. She's got a big Instagram page right now and talks about like her journey and all that. I don't know how I found her. I don't know how I was scrolling, but all of a sudden she mentioned you and like the motivate, not motivation, but like the impact you had on her. And I messaged her like, oh my God, no, Josh, she's a great dude. And like the paragraph she sent about like the impact you had on her, man. Like, again, I can attest to that, man. You you truly do care about your people and I can see why you're successful, whether it was in college or in the tactical sector. After yeah. stroking your ego there for a little bit, though, I want to dive into some fun questions with you before we wrap up today. But I know you're an avid learner. My time entering a JMU, like you were always there early in the morning on Simply Faster, in some kind of book, in some kind of course. What has been the biggest impact? What book has been the biggest impact on you, maybe in your life, that you'd be willing to share? Yeah. Um, I will say that in this point in, in my life and career, like I am not, I mean, I definitely love the research, right? You, you love learning about the human body and how things work. Um, but I'm not currently reading super training, right? Like I'm, that's not my interest right now. Um, but I think one of the biggest or the book that had probably the biggest impact on me as an individual and, and in my career. And I think something that was a huge impact on the teams I worked with too, um, was a book called, um, make your bed. Um, and it was by Admiral McRaven, I believe. Um, he was like a retired Navy SEAL and it just kind of went through his life lessons that he learned while working with the SEALs. And, and, and it sounds corny and, Stuff like that, right? Like, oh, these are the 10 lessons I learned from being a SEAL and, and blah, blah, blah. Um, but the way he wrote it was just really personable. Uh, and it just fit, I think, at least especially the stage I was in in life. But even looking back, like it just fits so many categories of life. Uh, and so that I would read that book to each of my teams. And that it would kind of be like our weekly theme. So we would either do it in the off season or the in season depending on, you know, depending on the team and the, and the team's needs. But it's just one of those books that you go back and you read and you, you learn something from it or, you know, it, it hits you with a different emotion every time. Um, and so that, that's probably been the, the biggest book. Um, and then, and another one was uh, it's just called Gino. It's uh, not a biography about Gino or Emma. Um, and, and he goes through just his whole process of growing up, how he grew up, how he got to where he was, um, and just seeing that program and, and where it was and where it, like the, the dominance it had in women's basketball. Um, and to me, that was like, okay, this is what a championship program looks like, um, and this is what a, a good coach looks like. And, and I was fortunate enough to meet him um, 
and he he is what you would expect he he at least to me he he was a good person um so and that was another book of like okay this is kind of how i want to model my coaching and and my team or the team i'm a part of um at least in building the culture from kind of the background i'll have to read that one i've read make your bed i think it was two summers ago since back in the when i had the d3 job in near jmu and i had the nice summers off and just could dive into reading and personal training though make your bed is definitely it's, it's so easy to read it was one of those books where i was 40 pages in and it didn't even feel like it was as long as it was reading and, all. and it really is a it's a good book and i think at the same like you would like i read it at the right time in my life so i'll definitely have to check out gino and see how that one goes to i'll add it to the amazon list of hundreds of books i buy and wait to read them Second last question, I want to wrap it up, and I'm, I'm super curious about this one. If you could go back in time, we'll call it young Epstein. We'll say maybe maybe that senior year before strength and conditioning or going into college. I'll let you dictate the time frame, whatever it is. What piece of advice would you want to give him that you've picked up along the way that you think would either put you in a better position in life or would have just wish you knew earlier in life? We all have those things that ah, – I wish I did now. And for me, I know it's most of the time things I wish my parents said to me, I wish I did earlier in life, but what's that one piece of advice you'd give to young Epstein? So it's, I would say that the a piece of advice I would give my younger self <laughs> would be that people are much more willing to help you if they like you. And not to say that I wasn't, liked because i feel like i was i was liked i'm sure i had people who didn't like me and, and that's totally fine but i think and i think a lot of just like a lot of young coaches like you come in and you think you have the answers and you're going to change strength and conditioning you're going to change how this team is run and oh this coach wants to do a three mile run test i'm going to show them the promised land of the yo-yo test like all these things that again, really, really don't matter. Um, but you're like steadfast in them. And I think we can create a lot of uh, stress that's not warranted. And just like, okay, if you can really, and that's one thing that I've learned from, from this job too, and not necessarily for myself, but just like watching how people in the military operate or people like get to work with in the military operate is tell me what I can do better because I'm a part of this team and I want this team to succeed because if we don't succeed, then bad things happen. Um, and so taking more of that approach and not, at least when I was younger, being like this, like me versus them type of thing. And, and I think a lot of coaches, as much as, you know, it's like, Oh no, I'm going to, I just want to help the staff involved. it's like, no, I think a lot of times we just want our way because we think we know it all from a training perspective. Um, but if, yeah, if they, or like even management, if management really loves you, they're way more likely to, you know, stretch that budget out a little bit to get you what you want or what you need. But if you're kind of a pain in their butt, then it's like, Oh, sorry. Yeah. We don't have the money. Yeah. It reminds me of the, uh, lessons in, uh, how to win friends and influence people, right? People want to be around people. They like, they want to help people, people they like, and 
you don't have to be everyone's best friend, but if you're likable, if people can relate to you, it just, it makes life so much easier. And I, I remember myself as a young strength coach now looking back at some things I did and yeah, I said I wanted to help, but I, I wanted to help on my terms, not what was actually going to be the best. So I, I think that's a awesome piece of advice. Josh, I appreciate you coming on, man. I appreciate you taking time to talk with me, coming on the Talking Pit. If there's anyone who wants to reach out to you, maybe wants to know more about the tactical Saturday, maybe just wants to ask questions about how you do train so many different groups, is there a good way that people can reach out to you that you'd be willing, you'd be willing to share with them? Yeah, they can. I mean, I'm not an avid social media guru or poster or anything like that's that. not true at all you inspire me every morning but, with your post yeah you know it, it is always a good day to have a good day so on, on that's on the storyboard usually um but yeah they can hit me up on instagram i, I think my handle thing is uh j epstein 22 uh i think twitter is just coach epstein um so yeah and any questions more than more than happy to to answer anything that anybody might have you know if, if anybody out there is thinking about collegiate strength and conditioning versus the tactical setting or you know leaving the tactical setting for the college setting or college setting for the tactical setting definitely willing to, to at least share more of my experience with them awesome i'll make sure those two things get in our show notes so that way people can reach out to us josh as always thank you man for coming on i truly appreciate it i we need to talk more often i know we text and call but not as frequently as i would like to but i thank you again for coming on yeah absolutely Devin. thank you for uh having me thank you for the friendship and uh yeah glad i was able to to be a part of this always next time if i go down on vacation in uh florida and we're near that panhandle area i'll definitely make sure to hit you up but yeah everyone thank you for joining us on another episode of talking pit and, and as always hail the pit 